Hello and welcome to the Rejoicing Together podcast, a ministry of Maysville Baptist Church, where we share stories of God's transforming power as seen in the lives of our church members. Alrighty, well, hello and welcome to the Rejoicing Together podcast. My name is Nate Trawick and I'm joined tonight by Zach Witzel. Zach, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. So, uh, Zach uh, is one of our new church members. Zach, w- when did you guys join the church? Uh, just like last week, I think. Yeah, it was really recent. Um, yeah. So, you guys have been coming for a couple months? Yeah, a couple months and just, it was really funny because we uh, did not visit around at all. We visited here and liked it so much that we just mm-hmm. stuck. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was kind of the way we got here. We, uh, when we visited around, we went to, um, here for like a month and my dad was like, we just need to join. Well, the prospect of visiting around terrified me with, <laughs> with young kids. I mean, like I'm adventurous. I can yeah. go a bunch of places, but with having like, I mean, we got four kids, 12 and under. Yeah. So like, I really didn't want that. We tried to do a lot of investigating online mm. and then it worked well. Cool. Awesome. Uh, well, Zach, uh, you know, really appreciate you being here tonight. Um, maybe just start by sharing a little bit about yourself. Okay. Uh, I am 35 years old. I am a good old-fashioned landlord for a living. Cool. Uh, got into that really accidentally. My, my dad's a businessman, entrepreneur, has been my whole life. Uh, he started his business probably two or three years before I was born. And... I got I, so I worked for him most of my life, and then got into uh, flipping cars on the side, cool. and had a real estate agent buddy that had a, a house that was in bad shape, fall in his lap, and was like, "Have you ever thought about flipping houses?" So that was like five or six years ago, and I went from that to keeping houses and renting them out, and cool. that's what I do full time now. So it's I never thought that'd be what I would be doing. Yeah, but it's it's been a lot of fun. I love it. Cool. Got wife, kids. And yeah, we uh. My wife and I, we got, we fell in love really early. So we were both like 16 to 17. And we've got four kids now. Uh, We homeschool. My wife's a network marketer. So we both work from home. We both, you know, teach our kids on a daily basis. Really outside the box kind of situation that's kind of like, was not something we intended. (laughs) She always intended homeschooling. So she she got her degree in early childhood education. with the intent of homeschooling, she wasn't planning on like being a teacher for a living. Hmm. So like where we are today is a lot different than what we kind of had in mind as far as like both of us working from home, but it's been a lot of fun. Cool. Cool. Uh, so maybe just like, you know, the past few episodes of the podcast, we've really just been trying to let people share what God's done in their life. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, maybe just, uh, start from the beginning, wherever you want to start from wherever okay. the beginning is and go from there. S- so both my parents came from very broken backgrounds. My dad's dad was alcoholic. My mom's dad was alcoholic. Uh, just very mixed up home lives that they both desired to escape from. So they got married really early and and lived kind of like a wild hippie lifestyle <laughs> for, for 10 to 12 years, I guess, after they got married. And about a year or two before my sister was born, she, I only have one sibling, and she's two years older than me, they wandered into a, a church meeting mm-hmm. and, and got saved, and it radically changed their lives. Mm-hmm. So the parents that I know and was raised by is nothing like uh, the way they were before I was born mm-hmm. and, or, or the way that you know they were raised uh, in, the, in the homes that they were in. So I had a, an established Christian home 
but they were first generation Christians, so that there was lots of learning uh, going on, and we were surrounded by family as as a young child, and so I had a lot of peace. My my grandparents, uh, the the one that was in, you know, an alcoholic in my dad's life. I never had much of a relationship with him, but my mom's dad actually settled down in his older years. So, you know, the the grandparents, my core group was they lived real close to me. It was a it was like an ideal early childhood. And around age seven, I guess it was around age seven, both uh both of my most influential grandparents, one on one side of the family, one on the other side of the family, died within like six months of each other. And it it really rattled me. <clears throat> but it, it brought me to a place of I don't know, it's like you, in your really early childhood, you're innocent and you think that the world is safe and a good place. And so that kind of took me out of that. Um, I'm nervous sometimes about people saying that they got saved in really early ages, but like it's, you know, it's person specific. And that's the way it was for me. Mm-hmm. I, I ended up in a vacation Bible school probably within like a year of, of kind of my world stop stopping to stopping to be whatever you know it it ceased to be such a safe place Hmm. and there was uh, a group that did a gospel presentation that night I was I guess I was somewhere around age eight or nine I don't have the date ironed out because I was a kid and I wasn't you know real good at (laughs) mapping stuff like that but I remember them sharing the gospel that night and I'd heard it all my life I'd been raised in church and VBS and stuff all my life but that night it was like it was for me it was super personal, and it broke me. Uh, as as much as you could imagine a, a young kid being broken, and so that's when I got saved. And it was uh, it was life as life changing as it could be for you know a young kid. Hmm. I met my wife. Uh, like I said, I was let's see, I was sixteen. She was fifteen when I first developed a crush on her. <laughs> uh, what that was really fun because she was like. Uh, she sang in chapel at our at our school. She was the one that was singing the national anthem at uh, football games. Uh, she was, you know, straight A student. Uh, you know, played all the different sports. I was uh, baggy pants wearing, garage band skateboarder. <laughs> participated in nothing, barely passing any and all of my classes. Uh, so I remember the first time I told my friends that I had a crush on her, and they laughed, and they were, you know, like you kind of shooting out of your league there. <laughs> and and I would say that if our relationship had been left to the school setting, it probably would have never happened. She was a grade below me and our cliques didn't even mingle, you know. Mm. But our family was changed in churches at the time. Her dad was a pastor and, and my family just passed through that church visiting. And it was a smaller church, so there wasn't a lot of competition there. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember the day I walked in the back door, and she was playing. She was the church pianist, and she smiled at me. And the rest is history. Uh, so I, I really think getting us out of the school environment, you know, really helped mm-hmm. solidify that. So we we courted, like Pastor Shane talked about. Her parents didn't, you know, they're pretty strict. They didn't allow us to date. We courted for three years until she graduated and got married I was 19 she was 18 then we we waited about three years before we had our first kid I, I joke and tell people that that was when we dated it was <laughs> yeah. the first first three years of our marriage but around I guess it was around I guess it was shortly after we started courting that I ended up in a church meeting 
with her, and there was uh, a very legalistic type preacher preaching that night, and he successfully convinced about, I don't know, it seemed like about 10% of the crowd that night that they were lost, and I made a second profession that night, and I, I, I didn't realize, you know, it's like people will hold over you like you're if you're not doing this or not doing that or not doing this, or if you're not good enough in this area, you're probably not saved. Mm-hmm. And they, I, I consider that kind of the night that my faith got hijacked because I spent probably the next eight years, her and I together, even after we got married, uh, we traveled and sang and was in ministry. Uh, but we were on this like far right, uh, you know, hard-nosed, hypercritical, you know, uh, avenue that we were constantly trying to you know be more and look you know and and I even got to a place where I was I, I looked down on on people around me uh, it's 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 a pretty embarrassing time in my life but even even in all that you know it's like you get caught up you get you get sidetracked or something like that in life and and like God will still like it's like immaturity and I don't blame I don't really blame anybody for that I feel like identity is like a, a major aspect of security when it comes to uh, not wavering in what you believe. And if you have an established identity of being a child of God and you know what you're worth, uh, then you're not looking for ways to add value or create value for yourself. Then your life is, you're, you're walking on a path of purpose rather than trying to make yourself lovable i guess if that if that makes sense so i got i got majorly caught up in that lifestyle for a while and then there was a lot of good things that happened you know and while we were in that vein i I really i had i had a heart for learning the bible more when i was there and i also really came to a place of surrender during that time in my life i knew that i wanted to change the world i wanted to have some type of impact and I didn't know how I didn't know how to do it. I never felt like I was called to preach, and I never felt like I was called to be like a foreign field missionary. But I knew that that a life of surrender, and I knew that a life of of impact was what I I wanted to be. And it was about, I guess it was around age twenty two that I really surrendered. And my biggest fears uh, that held me back on surrendering, I, God had been dealing with me about surrender for like a, a year or two. I was afraid he was going to call me to China to be mm. a missionary. Doesn't that sound silly? Yeah. <laughs> but that like was every young man yeah. wrestling with ministry has had like, I don't want to go to Iran. <laughs> like, yeah, that, right. So like that, that was China for me. And I was yeah. like, everybody I know that surrenders, they, they have either have horrible stuff happen to them or they end up being a missionary in China. <laughs> and it was around that time that I, I met this missionary that was a missionary to China and his wife, he and his wife lost a child while they were on deputation. Uh, that they had to bury here in the States and then they proceeded on to China and and it was like God used their story to really rattle me and and show me that, you know, you can trust me. Hmm. If if I'm gonna send you to China, I'm gonna make you wanna go at the same time, you know. Hmm. And I, I clearly didn't want to go. So <laughs> the, you know, that wasn't coinciding. And I I'll never forget, man, just it's almost as big in my mind as the night I got saved when I, the night I surrendered because I like I remember the church that we were going to they had a church fellowship that night and everybody went out to eat mm. in the fellowship hall and I was 
laying up there beside the altar, crying like a baby, you know, just telling God that whatever you want me to do, wherever you want me to go, I'll go. And as you can see, I never ended up in China. <laughs> <laughs> so huge, huge relief. Um, not yet. Yeah, not yet, not <laughs> yet. I, but, you know, like I said, I had this vision to change the world. And so I, I got, we, I was, I had a garage band in high school. I transitioned into writing songs that were church worthy, you know, more, more church worthy music. And that's what, my wife was a real singer. I, uh, I'm more of a pretender. <laughs> uh, I always, so we sang in a lot of church, small church revivals, but I always, in my heart, I always knew if it wasn't for her voice, we probably wouldn't get called. Mm. But we sang, you know, primarily stuff that I wrote and we ended up, uh, hooking up with another traveling preacher and starting to do like outreach work in small towns and stuff and, and really had a, a, a good time doing that. But at the same time, at that point, God has started really working on me about my identity. And so the more God worked on me about my identity, the more the legalism that we were involved in became unnecessary because that was what I was using to produce value in my life. And I, and there again, I, I don't want to, I think sometimes people get caught up in, in legalistic church backgrounds and they come out of it and they're hurt by it because there is a lot of hurt that can happen and they want to blame somebody. <clears throat> but I think it's very important to realize that the ultimate cause of, of me falling into legalism was me. It was, mm. it was my lack of an established identity. Le- all legalism is, is approval machine. It's, it's, it's something that you can, you can manufacture, you know, approval. So as God began to deal with me about that and deal with my wife about it, like we, I got, I, I ended up like accidentally discovering the book of Galatians and I started reading it. I think I read the book of Galatians like 25 times in <laughs> one month. And it's like every time I read it, more and more would pop out to me. And, and, and like I, the verse that it was, I think it's Galatians 5, 6, where it says, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision availeth anything but faith which worketh by love. God was like, it doesn't matter what you do or don't do if the motives are all twisted. Hmm. You know, if an if a alcoholic on the street runs out of money and he gets sober, does that make him more holy? No, the heart problem's still there, even if he doesn't have money for alcohol. So like that, that concept of, you know, you can decorate yourself all you want to, but if the heart is not driven by faith, which is working by love, you know, powered by the Spirit of God, then it's, it's pretense. It's, it's artificial. And that liberated me. Like, I actually had to sit down with the, the group of guys that I was doing ministry with, and I was like, I can't, I can't participate in, I, I love the Word of God, and I love the gospel, but I can't participate in all this other extra-biblical stuff anymore. Hmm. And it, that was exciting and terrifying all at the same time because we essentially lost our ministry because we were all the guys that we worked with, all the churches we worked with were in that line of thinking. So like we, uh, we ended up essentially losing the ministry that we had at that time and, and, and coming back home. And I felt like we were starting over, you know, (laughs) and I, I had had an outreach planned for this little town in South Carolina, right, right as, right before we were leaving, and there was a bunch of guys that was supposed to help us put on the outreach. And all those guys, all of a sudden, of course, they didn't want to associate with us hmm. anymore. And I remember I remember getting home, and I was like, Lord, I'm still burdened about this town. And how am I supposed to do whatever it is that I'm supposed to do without help? And, and God was like, just go up there. Hmm. And so I told my wife, I said, you know what, we're going to go up there, just the two of us. 
and we're going to we're going to see if we can make a difference in that town. And it was just like I I just didn't want to quit. I didn't want to sit down, you know. Mm. And there was this one older guy, he's old enough to be my dad, and his kids were all grown, you know, and he was like he found out. He's like I'll go with you. So me and my wife and our well, I think we had three kids at the time. And uh these this older couple, they went with us. And we we knocked on doors. Uh, we talked to people about Jesus on their front porch. We changed the oil in people's cars in their driveway and helped people tote their groceries in. And, and like, God taught me that you can have a ministry as an individual. Mm-hmm. And the, he used the, the story of the Good Samaritan to, like, really— and, and, th- and this revolution, revolutionized my life because there's the verses that we call the Great Commission where— Jesus is talking to his apostles and he's telling them to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And and I understand that that's the Great Commission and I don't argue with that. But I also understand that that can be kind of intimidating for like a single mom mm. or a or a or a, a working class father or you know somebody that's got like mountains of responsibility to mm. think about okay I'm supposed to like leave everything and go into all the world and preach the gospel. And so like but the but when Jesus told the, the story of the Good Samaritan, he was telling it to a mixed crowd, and it was like a universal, like this fits, this fits everybody and anybody. Because the, what the Good Samaritan did was he was, he was living his life. Mm. He was, I don't know if he was a businessman or a teacher or what, but he was just traveling down this road, which is what you and I are doing. We're traveling down a road. And while he was traveling down the road, he met a guy who was a victim of the thief, which is every lost person we know. Mm. And then... The Samaritan, what he did was he took, so he took who he had, who, who, he took who he was, uh, what he had, and where he was, and he did what he could hmm. with it. You know, and that's like anybody can do that. Hmm. It, it doesn't matter who you are, uh, how much money you have, what your background is, what your education level is. You're on a path, and you got something. This guy happened to have a donkey and oil and wine and some money. And, and that's what he used to medicate this guy and, and get him to a, uh, someplace. That, and, and the guy he helped wasn't even conscious, never even knew he helped him. So it wasn't like he had a, it, it wasn't like he had a reputation even. There was no, there was no, not even any credit for it. Mm-hmm. So like that makes, that made like tremendous, it was like God just shined a light on that concept to me and was like, instead of trying to be something so that you'll be more loved more accepted just taking who I made you to be mm-hmm. and employing it in the world right, right on the path that you're on so like for the next two years after that uh, me and this older guy that had went on this first outreach a couple times a year we'd just get together and, and travel to a city you know we we, we hit like Chattanooga New Orleans uh, Atlanta uh, Savannah. I mean, we we hit like seven or eight over the course of a couple of years. We hit seven or eight of like the major southeastern cities, and and we would like cook hot dogs on loading docks. And <laughs> he was a, he's a professional saxophone player, and so he would play music on the streets and cool. and just all kind all kind of stuff. And and it wasn't a ministry that could be permanent, you know, because I I ended up at this time I was having to start uh, a business at home, you know, to sustain my own family. So it wasn't even like a permanent thing, but it kept me moving and it kept my my wheels turning on 
what it means to effectively live like a good Samaritan lifestyle. And, and so that was, it was majorly revolutionary to me. Hmm. So like that brings me to essentially to where I'm at today as, uh, uh, you know, a self-employed homeschool dad. Uh, I feel like sometimes now that like with, with the homeschooling and with, uh, all the responsibilities that we have, you know, it's, it's easy to get in that line of thinking of, well, well, what, what ministry are you a part of or what have you committed to do or, you know, but like even still today through God showing me like what my spiritual gifts were like, and I think that's important. I think that's super important that people know what their spiritual gifts are. Like mine is the discernment of spirits, which is not as mystical as it sounds. It's like just, you know, perception, Hmm. understanding what you see in people. And my, my secondary ones are uh, mercy and, and teaching so like I'm a landlord. I've got all kinds of opportunities to to see into the lives of people mm-hmm. that that are staying in homes of mine. Um I'm teaching my children. Uh I'm even using platforms like, you know, social media platforms to to take what I see and what I learn and teach it to people mm-hmm. who whoever's interested in reading behind me. So it's not like it it still encourages me to know that just being on the path that I'm on and employing my gifts, uh, it's God wants to use it, you know. So, like, that was one of the things I thought about when you first reached out to me about my story. Is I was like, you know, it's really ongoing. <laughs> it's not over. Yeah. And that's humbling to think about. Because mm. I like to think, we like to think we've arrived, you know. We learned all this and now we're here. <laughs> but, man, it's just, it's still just going on, you know. Yeah. Uh, so just thinking about where all God has brought you from and through, um, a a few things really kind of stuck out. Um, I want to go back a little bit. Um, you talked a lot about legalism and, uh, um, how uh, you even said like how a lot of times people come out of legalism and they're hurt. Yeah. Um, and you encouraged, you said, Hey, like we need to realize like, if you've fallen into that, like it was as much on you as anybody. We have a responsibility. Yeah. Um, and you kind of mentioned it a little bit, but maybe just go into like, at least for you, what, what about legalism was so shiny? What, what, what is the allure? Um, what catches people? Um, and what would you say to people if maybe they find themselves right now in legalism? Where would you point them to? I, I think the attraction to it, I think the attraction to it for me initially was the intensity. Hmm. So like I'm a motivated, ambitious person. That's, that's, I mean, my dad's a businessman and I am too. I like, I'm interested in personal growth. I'm interested in moving forward. I'm interested in leveling up, you know, Hmm. uh, those things interest me. So like when I was in churches that were more laid back Hmm. as opposed to walking into some of those churches that I found where people were like, you know, marching up and down the aisle, red face shouting, you know, they're, they, they, they dress a certain way that was like a a level above everybody else. You know, it was like, they, it was like, maybe these people are more serious than I am. Mm -hmm. That was the deception of it. You know, maybe there's, there's something they have that I don't have and it made me feel insecure. And that's why I think it goes back to identity is if you're strong in your identity as a, 
as a if you're strong in your identity as a 1995 Ford pickup driver, you won't be intimidated to stop beside the brand new Chevy. Yeah. Park right beside the brand new Chevy <laughs> at the restaurant. You know, yeah. you're just like, well, I'm glad he likes his truck. I like mine. You paid know? for. <laughs> yeah, it's paid for. So, you know, I think I think that identity side and and the security side is an is is an important safety net to keep you from going into that. So there was the there was the intensity that made me feel insecure in who I was and and drew me in. But then there was also the, uh, um, you know, the 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 parameters. There was like the to, the to do list that was mm. simple, because if if being spiritual means that I keep my hair cut short and my wife doesn't wear pants and I don't drink alcohol and I'm in church every time the doors are open and my kids go to Christian school or they're homeschooled, you know, if there's this list and that mm. means I'm spiritual, well, then I can achieve the list. Yeah. You, you hand me the list and give me a couple of weeks with it and I can achieve it, you know? Yeah. So this is, uh, this is very gratifying. And then as soon as you start achieving it, people are patting you on the back, man, look at how this guy is really on fire. Yeah. But then when you read, when you read the writings of Jesus and he's like, yeah, but if you may not be committing adultery, but if you look at a woman and lust after quietly in your own mind, none of your friends yeah. even saw you do it. No. that you're still guilty. Mm. Well, that's, that is a big hole. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's a, there's a problem there with my to-do list because I'm still doing the list mm. and I'm still struggling with lust. I'm still struggling with selfishness. I'm still struggling with uh, self-deception and pride. Mm. You know, I'm, I'm really arrogant about all this, these things on the list that I've achieved, you know? And so like, that's, that's a big attraction is the list it it is appealing, hmm. you know, and if you, especially if you don't know yeah. what you're getting into, but then there's no fulfillment in it because as, as soon as people are not noticing you, uh, you're having to take, you're, you're having to take things up a notch even higher. Hmm. You know, I remember we, we even stopped putting up a Christmas tree cause it was just like, well, we're going to, if, if all these holidays are have pagan roots, we're just going to stop celebrating everything. Hmm. No, no Easter, no Christmas, no, you know, you start looking for every little thing that you can like to take yourself up to the higher level. Yeah. And, and it's exhausting. Mm. I, I remember the exhaustion that I felt in it, uh, constantly competing and, mm. and trying to, to be something. And, and when God showed me, took me through the book of Galatians. And then shortly after that was the book of Romans. I remember one, one guy asked me, he was like, who's, who's been influencing you on all this? And I'm like, well, Galatians and Romans. <laughs> And the guy actually said, he said, well, you got you to gotta be careful reading the book of Galatians too much because people drop their standards when they read the book of Galatians. And I said, well, are you warning me about a book of the Bible? <laughs> yeah. But but like the book of Galatians and the book of Romans, especially like the part in, in Romans where Paul said, he, he's listing out all these atrocious sins. And he's like, and, and woe to you who judge because you who judge are guilty of the same. And I realized that the reason I was so critical of all these outward sins is because they were in my heart. That's mm. what drives that judgmental nature. Mm. You know, the reason that, that, that legalistic circles are so filled with gossip and judgmental nature is because you're having, in order to lift yourself up, you're mm. having to press others down. That's the only way. Mm. That's the only way up. And so, like, when you realize that your identity is in Christ and that when he died on the cross, he gave you a robe of righteousness righteousness to wear. Yours is his filthy rags. He covers you completely up mm-hmm. with his righteousness. And at that point, like, when Jesus, when God, when Jehovah looks at you, he sees Jesus. 
and it's nothing that you you can do. Hmm. Well, there's peace in that. Yeah, that's an easy yoke, you know, that you can take on you. It's it's like man, you're you get to heaven one day and your friends are like, isn't it great to be in heaven? It's like yeah, and I didn't do nothing to get here. Yeah. Yeah, and that's yeah. that's liberating. It doesn't it doesn't free us to live a life of sin, mm-hmm. you know. Paul Paul speaks clearly about that because once you get that robe and once the spirit of God's living freely through you, mm-hmm. you're a changed person. You don't want to live the life of sin. Yeah. But it's 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 a life of peace mm-hmm. to that's not have to produce it all. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Well, one thing uh I think it's interesting to see kind of a, a shift in uh I guess like the way that generations think and and are are, are living out their life, um, but are, are you familiar with Jordan Peterson? Oh yeah. Uh, did you see his video, "The Message to the Churches"? It's like a ten minute video. I out. started watching it and didn't something happen. I didn't finish it. So he talks about in there. Um, I mean, his whole like thing, right? Jordan Peterson. For those of you who are listening, if you don't know who he is, he's a uh, probably agnostic at best. You think that's fair? Yeah, he, yeah. I would say he's agnostic. And and what I what I've appreciated about his uh, religious content lately is he's approaching the Bible as an outsider, uh, looking at it as a tool of understanding Western culture. Yeah. And so he's he's trying to use the Bible to understand Western culture, and in the and in doing so, it has provoked him. Yeah. Like almost, I feel like he's on the edge of getting saved. Yeah, I mean, because when he started this, he was an atheist. Yeah, he was. And, a, he was a full blown atheist, and now he's like, it, he's he actually says things like, "I think it's arrogant to say there's no God," and and because yeah. I, I like it, I like to see that because it, it shows you the power of the Word of God. Hmm. You can't dig through it without it getting in you somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Um, but in in that video, he talks about and, and really all of his stuff. Um, he talks a lot. A lot of young men our age, younger. Um, follow him, but um, he talks about young men's desire to be called to a higher purpose, right? Um, and to be called deeper into something that means more, right? Um, and you're talking about, you know, legalism and how appealing it was because it was this higher standard, right? Um, what's the balance there for the church? Because the church does need to call young men, especially, yes, to lead their families well. For example, yes, they need to call them to. Uh, lead the church well, um, so on and so forth. Right. Um, so, so what's the balance between legalism and faithfulness? I, I think biblical accountability is a is mm. a a good point. Um, we need to be able to read the Bible and believe what it says, mm. and that's one of the that's one of the things that I fell in love with about Maysville. Uh, the, our very first Sunday here was Mother's Day, and Pastor Shane preached on uh, was it Titus two. Mm. And I was just like, wow, this is an intense topic for Mother's Day. <laughs> and because it is, it's a tough topic. Mm-hmm. There's, there's, you know, like the, the structure of the home and the woman's place and, and legalism especially has abused that topic. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I was really curious how he was going to handle it. Uh, and it was really thought, I really thought he was brave for handling it on Mother's Day. <laughs> but, uh, and, and, it, and it's what, like coming out of legalism what scared me the most was I didn't want to, I didn't want to end up in a church that put the Bible aside, mm. you know, cause there's a lot of that going on. It's like, well, we're tired from religion. So we're just going to take like the basic, we're going to turn Christianity into a philosophy where it's like, you know, Jesus wants us to be good people and help mm. people and he just loves everybody. So they just slide the Bible off to the left and go on this like self-help mm. uh, motivational, you know, type journey. And I was, I didn't want to, I didn't want to fall into that. 
And so like finding this place where Pastor Shane's dedicated to the, to the concepts of scripture, but at the same time, balancing it out with like, what, what powers us, you know, it's like, what's the engine in the car? Uh, and the engine is Christ. Like, and, and one of my favorite verses about that, that was another revolutionary concept to me coming out of legalism, was the fact that, that Christ is the vine and we're the branches. Hmm. So, like, you don't find a, you don't, we're not sticks that are standing up trying to dress up like a vine. That's hmm. what legalism is. You're trying to dress up like a vine. You know, who's the best vine out of all hmm. of us? You're actually being grafted in. And what is a vine? What is a branch without the vine? Like, the vine is the power source. It, it is what's rooted. It's what draws the water, you know, and it's sending it all mm. into the branch. And so, th- you know, for anybody that, I, that may be listening that's coming out of legalism, uh, it's okay to let go of uh, all, that, all that religious extra, but don't let go of the vine. Mm. You know, and I remember, I remember God speaking to me you know, and I'm not talking about like in a in a revelation kind of way, but I remember God were like you know showing me that in 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 Scripture when I was dealing with all the hurt from coming out of it because you got these people that you poured your life into and you've done ministry work with, and all of a sudden they're they're your fodder for their gossip, and they're not <laughs> calling you anymore, but they're all still talking about you and spreading stuff around about you, and you're like, I thought these people loved me, you know, and it's mm-hmm. devastating, and you deal with all the hurt of that, and I remember God was like, I- I'm not them, mm-hmm. and if you look at if you look at the New Testament, you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, it wasn't pagans that were harassing Jesus at every corner. Mm-hmm. It was religious people. Yeah. And so, like, it shouldn't be shocking to us that that that's, that kind of stuff still goes on today. Like, that was that was who gave him the most grief, you know? Um, so that would be my encouragement is, you know, hold, hold fast to the vine. He's not them. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, when he was walking the earth they were the same ones that were picking on him Hmm. and so like we're not immune to that but just you know we need the vine we can't be a branch without the vine uh it matters what we believe it matters how we live uh the the rules and the boundaries that the bible gives are 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 placed with extreme intentionality Hmm. it's not uh it's not something we can be haphazard about, you know, when, when the Bible's telling us how we should raise our kids and how we should function in our marriages and how we should, you know, keep our minds clear of, of, uh, of any of the deception that Satan wants to, we, all that stuff's super important, yeah. you know, and it's, and it's, it's another mistake. It's jumping out of one ditch into the other. If you think that you can just, you know, slide the Bible away and, and, and turn your, faith walk into some type of cheap philosophy yeah yeah that's good and and i think that really that mindset of understanding like as christians we're nothing of ourselves right um and i think that's where so many people get it wrong and get discouraged like you were talking about earlier when you were mentioning you know like when you read the great commission and you hear this call to make disciples right it's like whoa like yeah. how in the world am i supposed to i'm just me right yeah yeah but if you realize you're of the vine right um it allows you to have that good samaritan mindset that you talked about the, the mindset that you know taking who you are yeah. and employing it yeah the path you're on yeah yeah so so to that point what 
to those people who feel that way, who find themselves in those situations, um, and they they look at themselves and they just go, I, "How am I supposed to make anything of of me? Um, how am I supposed to make a kingdom impact?" I mean, questions yeah. that people really really struggle with. Um, where would you encourage them to start? I've got this great story. Uh, <laughs> I've, I've got a great. I'm, it's one of my favorite stories that I have. Uh, I when I was doing a lot of the inner city outreach, just on an independent level, you know, nothing super organized or fancy, or you know, we didn't have a website or a, a church backing us. Even I mean, we were both members of churches at a, at the time, but we didn't even go to the same church. You know, mm-hmm. it was just basically it was just two guys out, just talking to people. Is basically all it was. Mm-hmm. And, and I would like, if I, if I had a story that was really impactful from our day, I would write about it on Facebook. And I remember this guy that I was actually going to church with at the time. He was a welder. And he reached out to me, and he was like, I want to make a difference, but I don't feel like I can do what you do, like, you know, meeting people and talking to people. And, and so I don't have much money. I've just got 20 bucks. I want to give it to you and let you put it to use in your ministry and I was like I have a better idea he's like what I said I want you to take that 20 bucks and I want you to find someone to give it to don't just like hand it to anybody but pray about it hmm. tell God you got an extra 20 dollars and that you you want to do something with it and so he was like okay I'll do that <laughs> so uh a, a, like a week and a half or two weeks went by and he reached back out to me and he was like I was in the line at work getting food and the girl behind the, the register looked really discouraged. And so when I got done paying for my food, he said, I took that $20 bill out and I gave it to that girl. And I told her to be encouraged. You know, Jesus loves her. And she took the money and he went and ate his food. And two or three days later, he said, there's this guy I, I work with. I think he was a welder as well. That was like a professing atheist. And he was really hardcore, cold against anything to do with Jesus and wouldn't talk about it. He comes walking up to my friend, and he said, you gave $20 to my sister the other day, and it had a huge impact on her. This is what was going through. Why, why would you do something like that? Hmm. And he got to sit down with this guy, hmm. you know, and talk to him. And I, I thought, I think that's profound in the Samaritan concept of instead of looking at me in my ministry or whatever it is that I'm doing, and thinking, well, I can't, I can't do that. It's the, that's the same as looking at the disciples and being like, well, I can't go into all the world or I can't move to China or whatever it is that you're afraid of. You know, if you've got an extra five bucks or if, or if you see somebody that looks discouraged, you know, and you just tell them that you care. Uh, or if there's a family down the street that uh, just had a, a grandmother die and you want to take them supper or just stop by and visit them and pray with them. You know, it's like, all of a sudden, when you when when you realize that all the people around you are a ministry, a ministry that's in need, like it opens it opens wide, you know, yeah. the the opportunities of of whoever you are and whatever it is that you have, uh, employing that, you know, if you're a welder, fix fix people's trailers for them, you know, and use it as a, a ministry, uh, you know, if you're, I mean, just it's unlimited, yeah. you know, what you what you can do and how you can employ that if, if you unlock it. Well, and one thing that really stuck out to me on that point is, you know, just thinking about uh, some of the things you've talked about, you know, one, one of the things that, um, you know, really 
Um, I've seen just a little bit just from afar. Um, but just seeing like the way that you interact with your kids, like oh, just yeah. in the, the, the little, little bit that I've seen you around church. Um, and the way that your kids, I mean, just the other day I turned off the light on you and your kids as you're walking down the hall and just like the way that your kids just like, I could just see it in their eyes. They're like, Oh my gosh, it's my dad. Um, and, uh, I think so many people miss that, that the home, especially as dads, yeah, that that's where it starts. If you can't have effective ministry there. Oh, that's that. And that's one of the things that like, sometimes I will be hard on myself because mm-hmm. I, I can tend toward being a people pleaser mm-hmm. and, and looking for creating value to my, for myself externally. I'm like, mm-hmm. yes, yeah, it's, it's something I battle with. Uh, I have to keep it at bay. But so sometimes I'm still hard on myself about, you know, well, are you in anything that's brag worthy? <laughs> you know, <laughs> what, uh, I guess in my legalistic days, I would call it a stat sheet. You know, what, <laughs> what, what can, what kind of stat sheet can you pull out and be like, yeah, yeah, I went, I just got back from, you know, doing this and it's, it's really amazing, you know, and everybody's wow. And, oh, you know, but being a dad, you know, or, or and being a husband, uh, those are incredible ministries. And that's one of the things that I love about the new Testament is at the same time, Jesus was, telling Peter and and James to go into all the world and preach the gospel, you know, you got Paul that's telling soldiers to be good soldiers and captains to be good captains and and uh, slaves to be good slaves and uh, fathers and mothers to be good fathers and mothers. Mm-hmm. So like those are callings. Like yeah. if you're if you're raising kids, that is that is huge. And and that and and if you, if you embrace it as a ministry uh, you'll appreciate it because uh, it's super inconvenient. My kids don't appreciate half the stuff I do. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I, I got a 12-year-old, a 9-year-old, a 5-year-old, and a 3-year-old, and most of my efforts go completely unappreciated with all those age groups, uh, some more or less than others. But, like, even the inconvenient sides of it, like when I'm when I'm teaching math and language arts in the mornings and they don't want to do it and it's, you know, you're, you're, you're fighting through it and it's like, this is a pain. Uh, <laughs> but then, you know, then they all, I, I decide to hop in the car and go pick something up in town and they want to ride with me. And on the way there, uh, you know, my 12 year olds tell me about who she's got a crush on. And my, <laughs> my nine year old is, is, is talking, uh, uh, life philosophy with me about friendships and, and stuff. And, and like, I find myself getting to mentor them. Yeah. Like I'm their peer, you mm-hmm. know, and, and not in a, not in a, a sense of like being the same age, but like being an equal, uh, uh, and even a friend to them in a sense that instead of them being somewhere because I'm too busy or I don't value mm-hmm. what they are, uh, that I'm, I'm, I'm actually getting to do that. And it's like w- when you embrace it as a ministry, it's very fulfilling. You'll start seeing opportunities like that in it. And like I said, it's, I'm not painting it up to be easy. It's homeschooling is the most difficult thing I've ever done in my life. Hmm. It's not easy at all. But you know the the rewards of it. Like I said, it's it's all in your and it's the mindset. It's all in your mind of how you perceive it and why are you doing it. It's not sustainable if you're doing it for approval. <laughs> it's not sustainable if you're doing it to impress people on the outside. Hmm. But if it's just you connected to the vine, trying to trying to let him live through you that's that's the way all of life should be yeah that's awesome man that's that's really good well zach appreciate your time man yes sir Uh, i'm um, i'm I'm very uh humbled that you would have me on here yeah well um appreciate you coming on and uh appreciate all you have to say uh just 
wanted to wrap up in this way this week. Um, if you are a Christian, if you are uh, living your life uh, not connected to the vine, um, it's very difficult. Uh, it's impossible very. to have the impact uh, that we've talked about tonight. Um, and, and really, that's the core of legalism, because legalism, you're trying to live on your own merits, your own uh, good uh, good deeds, you know, all, all those kinds of things. Uh, and so just want to encourage you, if you're listening to this, um, get connected to the vine. If you haven't spent time in the Bible today, as soon as you get done listening to this, stop it, go listen to, or go uh, read your Bible, uh, spend some time in prayer, um, get connected to the vine, get involved in your local church. Um, and see what God does in and through you. So I hope you enjoyed today's episode, and we'll be back next week with another one. Have a great week. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast today. The Rejoicing Together podcast is a ministry of Maysville Baptist Church. We hope and pray that this episode has encouraged and will challenge you to grow in your faith in Jesus Christ, our Lord. If you would like more information about the church, our other ministries, or information about how to support those ministries, please visit maysvillebaptist.net. If you have a question about the podcast or would like to speak with a pastor, please contact the church. Again, thank you so much for listening. We hope you have a blessed day.